Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit BJHowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're overlooking the 18th green at Shelley Beach Golf Course, and there's a, an old guy about to punt right now. Oh, wow. Looks, looks like he's off the seniors tour. Let's just refer to the fact that he's a guy. <laughs> he doesn't have to be old. Well, that is beautiful. It's only just missed. Good morning. Yeah. Welcome. What a perfect day. Uh, alongside me, Michael Buter, former New South Wales and Australian Rugby League rep, Jess Grimwood, who surfed for Australia uh, in world events and uh, also a podcaster and commentator these days. And uh, alongside us as well, Grant Drinkwater. His mm. son is about to play in the biggest game of his career. Firstly, uh, Buttes, good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. What a, I've got to say, this is probably the best it's been here. Yeah. It's, I don't know, 22, 23 degrees at the moment. It's fantastic. And Jess, good to see you. Good morning. Good yes. morning. Yeah, <laughs> but you know it I, is stunning. You know, know what it is, Butes? It's almost a shirts off day. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the crazy shorts on today. Showing the pegs off, but yeah, single might be next week. Just about to get to Grant Drinkwater, but Jess, uh, surfing this week in Portugal? Oh, yeah. Heaps of surfing's been going down the last week. The men, the Aussie men, have been really showing up and... Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about the surfing if we've got the time today. Have you ever surfed where that where they are in Portugal? Yeah, I've been there a few times, maybe a handful of times, four or five. Um, it's just an incredible place. It's very similar to um, this part of the New South Wales coast, actually. Like the people, the culture, um, the waves are really powerful. I mean, it's the Atlantic Ocean, so it's a little different um, water-wise, but it's it's a really good spot. Is it pronounced Erasira? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's my terrible, terrible... <laughs> tomato, tomato, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say it fast and with confidence. Exactly, yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> we'll definitely talk more surfing because uh, a couple of our girls did really well, including Macy Callahan and also Molly Picklum, and Wade Carmichael was in action as well. And for the girls, they're trying to burst their way back onto the World mm. Championship Tour. The, the top six qualify. Macy in a fairly good position. And Molly, if she can do something special on this Challenger Series, who knows what's possible. Uh, let's go to Grant Drinkwater and his son. Wow. About to play in a Super League Grand Final at Old Trafford, the home of Manchester United. Good morning, mate. And how are you feeling uh, less than 24 hours out from the big game? Uh, yeah, good, Steve. Thanks. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah very, exci- <laughs> very excited about the game. Um, early start, 4am, so, yeah, it'll be good. You just got swamped by our technical team uh, with a bit of quick microphone <laughs> technique. It was like uh, JT interviewing us <laughs> on the grand final. <laughs> Somebody give him a microphone. That was one of the highlights of oh, the night. Wow. Hey, so we, we caught up with Josh Drinkwater for uh, MBN TV uh, via Zoom. He was about to fly into Manchester. And have you spoken to him today so far? No, no, we'll ring him uh, early there morning sort of thing and wish him luck. And, yeah, so they flew in. We're going to Old Trafford to have a look around the ground and get their bearings. They can't actually train there beforehand. But, um, 
Yes, uh, all good. What a shame you and the family can't be there. Yeah, we would have, we'd have been gone on probably Saturday or Sunday morning last week. We'd have flown straight out. So yeah, exciting, exciting times, Grant. When you consider, you know, he's gone over there looking for an opportunity and um, to play alongside a guy like James Maloney, who has obviously had premiership success. He's obviously made a big difference to the club there, although they've been there or thereabouts over the last couple of years. Yeah, look, they've been around the around the mark. Um, Steve McNamara has come in and coached them and probably set in a lot of good programs. And, you know, at Catalans, I think, used to be like a bit of a holiday resort for the players when they go there. You know, it's right on the beach. He's, Josh says it's like yeah. living on living at Terrigal. He lives across the road. And you're the in beach. France. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. So, so, uh, so Josh made his NRL debut with St George Illawarra. I, I think he spent a little bit of time at the West Tigers, but he's played well over a hundred games in the UK Super League, including at Catalans on two occasions. Yeah, he went. He come back here. I think it was 2017. Played for West New South Wales Cup. Uh, Catalans weren't going real good. They come searching for a halfback, and he was he was probably the best player in the New South Wales Cup at the time. Mm. They were leading the comp. Uh, he went over there, um, and that was the year they won the Challenge Cup. Uh, I tell you, he has been absolutely outstanding. He was he was man of the match in the semi-final against Hull Kingston Rovers. Yeah, man of the match, yeah. I think it's interesting, you know, and I love the fact that there is the English Super League over there because there's so many players in our game that, for whatever reason, may miss out on the opportunity here, right, to play at that top level. And it's not whether he should or shouldn't be there or isn't good enough. He obviously is good enough, but for whatever reason, the timing wasn't right. He's got that opportunity over there, and now he's blossomed and actually grown into one of these players. Now, he can make, you know, have a great career over there, um, earn some good money while he's over there and whatever else, and have some amazing experiences. Yeah, look, I think the life experience is probably the, the good part. You know, um, obviously not being able to travel over there for a while has, has sort of hurt a little bit, but, you know, he's seen all parts of Europe and London and, you know, it's been fantastic for him. I suppose the good thing with the game on the weekend, his brother, older brother lives in London, so he's on, the, on his way up oh. to Manchester for the weekend to watch the game, so at least you'll have someone there to watch the game. Uh, tell us your thoughts about they're playing the, the, the mighty St mm-hmm. Helens, and a little later in the show we'll have Dave Fairley uh, joining us and of course, you know, he, uh, he made their team of the, team of the century was mm-hmm. it? Like that's how yes. good, that's how good Dave Fairley was. And he only the... had two seasons, I believe, there, something like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely incredible. But uh, St Helens, they're going for three in a row. Is that correct? And tell yeah. us more about their team. Yeah, look, they're they're a fantastic footy side. They're so so physical and everything about them. You know, like they got they got a front row Adam Wormsley, who you know is probably a bit old to come out here now, but he he could be he could play NRL. He's six foot five. He's mobile. He's aggressive. Um, you know. Lachlan Coote plays fullback. Mm. Um, you know, they've got... Um, who else they got? They've Sione Mataudia. They've got Kevin Naguama. They've got Tom Makinson, who got Player of the Year. So he's, he's all those names that are familiar you to know, so, our listeners, yeah. you know, yeah. because they're ex-centre players who just, for whatever reason, didn't quite get the chance well, here. Or... Uh, uh, Joel Thompson's there, and I don't think he's making their 17 to play in the game. Yeah, yeah well. And I'll, I'll tell you who's in Catalan's side, so he's playing alongside Josh and also James Maloney. Sam Casiano yeah. is coming off the bench, and he's been a superstar. Sam Casiano changes the game for the Catalans when he comes on. He is, we know, we know oh, he's a monster, he is, yeah. And yeah. He's, he's speed, he, just, he picks out the small guy and just 
barrels over the top of them. So, yeah, when, when Catlin's get a bit tired and he comes on, he really lifts the intensity for the team. Has Josh spoken to you about uh, the vibe, like in Perpignan, uh, where, you know, they're on the verge of creating history. They're underdogs in this game, even though they beat them 31-30 about a month ago in a, in a golden point thriller. But this is their chance to create history. Yeah, they've got four plane loads of spectators flying over for the game. Um, they they love their footy in that part of the world. You know, they they had 13,000 there at their semi-final, their preliminary final last week. And as he said, there was flares, there was fireworks, and they were all in the street. They'd, at the end of the game, they'd spectators jumping the, jump the fence to get on the ground. Oh, how good's that? See, that's the old days, mate. The old days. So, yeah, how long has he been over there for? Uh, f- at France? Yeah. Well, he went there 2017. Yeah. Left and went to Hull KR for a year, footy politics, and then went back to Catlands. So he's been there too and just re-signed for another two. Yeah, and, you know, this would be cream on top, wouldn't it? Because the Challenge Cup is big enough, but to win a Super League title is no doubt the highlight of the career. Yeah, yeah, we were lucky to actually be at the Challenge Cup final. We were over there. We were going to a friend's daughter's wedding in Spain and we were on holidays and we watched the semi-final in Barcelona. And when they won the game, we're just sitting there and we're thinking, how are we going to get to the game? So we finished up getting there. So that was, yeah, that was amazing to go to Wembley and actually watch the game. And Mm. you walk down the arcade to get into the the ground and we sort of got off out of our Uber and walked down the the bottom and there's a big poster of Josh (laughs) on the side of the wall (laughs) at Wembley and you just think, my God, that's... The boys made it. Do you know, last week, on, last week on the SEM Facebook page, we put up about some of the great sporting families, and it was remiss of me. I didn't put the drink water boys, but, you know, you must be so incredibly proud of, of both of your boys. Josh, who's done amazing things in the UK, but also Scotty, who's, you know, battled away and is a, a fantastic half at Far North Queensland with yeah. the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's all about getting a break, I suppose. That's all, it's all you know, they... Scotty had a really year twelve at school. Their, their school side was unbelievable. They won the University Shield. They won mm. the New South Wales Touch competition. You know, he made Australian schoolboys final. You know, got made New South Wales schoolboys got player of the match in the grand final. So Jeff Coronius was the at coach the Terrigal, of that, yeah. at Terrigal High yeah. School. Yeah, you Jeff. Know. He now coaches the men's opens odds tag. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And and I spoke to Tony Clark this week, and he said with uh, with Josh. You know, he's had to scrap his whole way to get an opportunity. And some clubs, for whatever reason, he wasn't the right fit for them. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Clark, he's good friends with Nate growing up. They played together and Tony coached them and whatever. So, yeah, look, things happen in footy, you know. It is. That's life. And and like I said, this goes back to what I said before about, you know, someone like Josh getting that opportunity over there. And there's plenty of other players, you know, those names that you mentioned, who just, for whatever reason, just couldn't get the break they needed here. They've got it over there, and it's great for them. I do want to touch on uh, the performances of Scott, because I think he's been outstanding up at uh, North Queensland. And, and to be honest, he's probably been a one-man band. Um, they've lost a lot of players in recent years. And, you know, you look at, you know, the Melbourne Storm and the players that they've lost you could probably make the comparisons with a player like JT, with a player like um, uh, Michael Morgan, just struggling to recover from that. But Scott well, has well, certainly two, been... two legends, Buttes. Yeah, correct. But Scott has definitely been a shining light in that side who has definitely struggled throughout the year. Um, I guess it's a big challenge for him going forward into the next season uh, to get this club back to, you know, their glory days. 
Yeah, look, his last couple of months, I, I tell everyone that it wasn't... His last couple of months just wasn't good footy, but I, he lost a lot of confidence because I think he was playing with... He had four different halfbacks. He probably had four or five different mm. centres to play with. So you just don't get that continuity in your attack and in your, in your defensive patterns and whatever, so... It's interesting, you know, you talk about that, that, that the consistency, and people will, may not see this at home or understand it, but, you know, you look at a Penrith side, you look at a, uh, a South Sydney side, they'll have the same players in positions week after week after week and make those minor adjustments when they need to, and it's the time they spend at training to get those combinations right, that cohesion, the, you know, the, just to ensure that everybody is on the right page. It makes such a big difference. Yeah, I think Michael Morgan retiring early in the year really hurt him because, you know, he'd trained all year at halfback. So then they sort of went to Jakey Clifford who tried and then they let him go to Newcastle and Ben Hampton come in and Tories Peck and then they got Tommy Dearden down from the Broncos. Oh. So... Yeah, it was just a... Yeah, revolving door, uh, and Taumalolo is in and out. So yeah. one of your strike weapons hasn't played as much footy as, as previous years. So Catalans have had the wood on St Helens this year, including that epic 31-30 match where they were almost 20 points behind. Um, James Maloney looking to go out with a third premiership. Of course, he won with Cronulla in 2016, the Sydney Roosters in 2013. He's a big game specialist. What's your gut feeling on the grand final tomorrow morning around about 4am our time? Oh, look, obviously, you know, St Helens are very, very much a favourite side going for three in a row, as we said. But that magic round game, you know... 18 points down, four and a half minutes to go. To score three converted tries in four and a half minutes and get it to go on point was just unbelievable, you know. Cassiano to catch the ball as a siren sounded and fall over the try line, score a try. It was unbelievable. So, look, they can do it. They've beaten them twice. So, you know, they, they can definitely beat them again. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. I, I asked Josh yesterday if he could speak French uh, and uh, he, he... Did he, he say wee oui, wee? Oui? He told me he's pretty <laughs> rusty. Uh, what about you? No, I speak no French, but what they did was they, they put him and James Maloney into learn French last year. So they brought a, a lady in to teach them French. Well, it didn't go down too well because James just wanted to know all... Well, the swear words were... Well, he said, how do I go home and tell my wife she's a good sort? <laughs> he said, that's all I want to do. So, yeah, it didn't go well, and so I think in the end they just gave up. Yeah. What? Was it Pepe Le Pew giving them lessons? Or? <laughs> let, let me ask one more quick question, uh, 25 words or less. Do, do you feel like there should be more coverage of what the Aussie boys are doing over there back home here? Uh, look, on Fox League, yeah, I think they could play a lot more. I know they don't televise a lot of games over there. They probably do two or three. Um, I don't think we need to see 74 repeats of NRL 360 and mm. that, you know, th through the night. I think they could play the games. A lot of... A lot of Aussies go over there, and as we said, and play. Um, so, yeah, I can't see why they shouldn't play it, more of the game. It'd be great to have a weekly wrap. That would be awesome if they, they could... They did have one a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. They've got a commentator, a female commentator over there, Jess, Jessie, Jess Brooks, I think her name is. She does the games, and she's an Aussie, and she was doing a weekly wrap. Yeah. But for some unknown reason, that stopped. Yeah. Hey, great to see you. Good, good luck to the young fella. Uh, boy, I hope they can pull it off. Uh, Josh, 
to win his first premiership with Catalans, creating history, their first premiership since uh, coming into the competition. I think it was back in 2000. Grant Drinkwater, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, Steve. This is uh, SEN Saturdays on the Coast. Steve Allen, Michael Butner, Jess Grimwood. Uh, the open line number, 1300 42 15 33. Hey, you can text us as well, 0477 736 736. That's 0477 736 736. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and BJ Howe's Meadowland, Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howe's Meadowland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Shelley Beach Golf Course uh, overlooking the 18th green. And a little bit later in the hour, we'll talk with Nick Montgomery, the Mariners' head coach. I've got to say, Butes, uh, mm-hmm. watching the English Premier League last week, the Liverpool-Manchester City game is one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Is that right? Oh, man, it was unbelievable. And the team, I'm on the bandwagon with Brentford, who, mm. are, who are back in the Premier League. They scored a last-minute winner. So oh, they did, but wasn't that goal by Salah unbelievable? Oh, man. They beat five defenders... And yeah. then just put it in the back of the net. Five of the world's best Yes, defenders. correct. Yeah, we're not talking about Muppets here. They're yeah. genuine players who know what they're doing. Turn them inside out. But we'll talk more football a little later in the hour. Uh, right now, though, let's rise as one. Uh, for one of the greats of rugby league, uh, played with the North Sydney Bears, one of your old teammates, Butes. Also the uh, Newcastle Knights, St. Helens, where he's an absolute legend. Dave Fairley, good morning. Steve-O. Butes. <laughs> uh, hello, off, Daisy. Off to a flying start. Hey, uh, Daisy, uh, firstly, let's get your thoughts on the grand final because you've had so much to do with Ivan Cleary over the years. What were your thoughts of the 14-12 win for the Penrith Panthers? Oh, man, it was just epic. Um, I, I think um, the three games that Penrith um, played in, so I think week one versus South where they got beat, then their um, second week in the... Um, Finals. They had to. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, the next week they played um, Parramatta. Parramatta. That was that, yeah. Parramatta was just a phenomenal game. Went down to the wire. Then then Melbourne. And then um, <laughs> then back to South Sydney. And and the four game. Those four games uh, by Penrith. They're as good as any finals game that I've seen. Um, you know the intensity that they were played at was it was state of origin like. You know in terms of you know the the. the ferocity of it, the line speed, the physicality, the contact, um, the amount of time the ball was in play. There's so many things that just, um, yeah, just was, uh, it was just such a good game. And um, yeah, Penrith thoroughly deserved the win. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how they're fatigued and injured and, and things like that. But, you know, Ivan, Ivan sort of said, yeah, we're battle-hardened. And, and that's the balance, you know. You've, you've got to try and find that. So a lot of clubs... South, Para, Melbourne, they all sort of rested players um, sort of leading into the semis when they had an opportunity, whereas Penrith, they didn't. And, um, you know, Ivan said a couple of times it was a gamble, but it was a gamble that pays off. And, yes, you know, there's a, there's a balance between um, resting and keeping guys fresh and then sort of pushing guys and, and being battle-hardened. And I think I think Penrith, you know, pushed that to the absolute extreme um, with the amount of players that they had hurt and injured. Um, South Sydney, you know, they, they for them they they got it perfect. You know, they rested players and 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 got players sort of 
coming into good form at the right time. They had no injuries. Unfortunately, they lost Latrell, which, I mean, Blake Taft did a, a tremendous job. But Latrell, he, he potentially could have made a difference. And was, you know, we're talking about how well Penrith did. But really, like, Adam Reynolds kicks that goal. Um, mm. You know, we, we're possibly going into Golden Point. So, um, yeah, it was just some unbelievable football by all involved, actually. Yeah, d- defensively, it was like a flashback to the 1980s. And you said exactly what Butte said last week. The, the game between Penrith and Parramatta is what made us fall in love with rugby league again. Yeah, you look, when you look yeah. back at, Daisy, the, the season that we've had and the blowouts in scores, it was that Parramatta-Penrith game. It was the Parramatta-Storm game. It was last week's grand final that just took us back. And this is why our game is so good, because defence wins championships and you know Penrith proved that over the three weeks uh or their last three weeks and and we had Hayden Knowles on uh it was interesting you talk about that battle hard and and the approach they took with it he said the exact same thing you know I questioned him about whether they were under fatigue whether they were struggling whether they were just running on fumes and he just referred to the fact that they are hardened for what is going to be a super tough contest in this grand final just on the point that you made Daisy about Blake Taft I I think for South uh, you know and it's uh, indicative of Wayne Bennett and his coaching style that his team stay in the contest. And they were in it up until yeah. that kick from uh, Adam Reynolds, which just missed. He hit it sweetly, mm. but just too far to the mm. right. Uh, I just feel that they missed some of those big boys coming out of their end. You know, the likes of Taff, Johnson, and as hard as Jackson Paulo tried, he just kept getting monstered. And then, you, you know, your yeah. fourth play is probably going to be a Cameron Murray, who isn't a big guy anyway. So they were going nowhere in that first, those four, first four tackles, which made it very hard for them, you know, from then on. And you could just see that throughout the whole game that they just struggled through that period. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it was pretty evident, you know, watching it, that you could see that Penrith just completely dominated field position. And, like, mm. at no real stage am I thinking, yeah, Souths are going to win this. I always thought Penrith sort of had them. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the kicking game, I mean, it, it just it just slaughtered South. You know, the high balls, they just really struggled. And, um, yeah, Paulo... Uh, I thought he, you know, with all due respect to Jackson Paulo, he's been a great player, but he probably didn't have his best game. And um, mm. I thought there were times there in Penrith's yardage sets where they went a little bit one out. Um, they probably needed to find one or two passes off the rough just to try and generate some momentum because Penrith's line speed was just oh. as brutal as I've seen any line speed this year. And um, you made the comment about defence. Well, defence does win big games. And there's been a lot of stats broken this year um, in terms of points um, four and against and six against and rule changes and so many things are different but one thing's pretty consistent is that um, the teams that have won the premiership over the last number of years have been the top one or two def- teams defensively in the competition. Now Penrith were the best team defensively last year and they were again this year so um, you know it's no surprise that they backed their defence going into the grand final. I think when you look at um, the couple of times that the Rabbitohs did throw the ball in their own end um, and, and you know put a couple of passes together they actually, yep. you know, got the Panthers' defensive line going backwards and, you know, created sort of half chances. And I just felt that they... And again, mate, I just felt that they probably didn't have the gas in the tank after the first 10 or 15 minutes because they were just constantly bashed, bashed, bashed by this uh, the line speed of the Panthers. Such a courageous effort by South. Oh. And you mentioned Wayne Bennett. They, the thing about Wayne's teams is they don't beat themselves. And that mm. was a great example because... Everything, the weight of possession, the amount of tackles, the completion rates, 
uh, the kick meters, all of the stats were just heavily um, geared towards Penrith. And it was just unbelievable that that was a two-point ball game, you know, with 10 minutes to go or whatever it was. Um, yep. And then for Adam Reynolds kicks that goal, potentially going into Golden Point. Like, the South had no right to be that far into it. It was amazing. And Wayne's been here, he talked about the effort in the press conference. He said, you know, you have regrets and disappointments. And he said, tonight's a disappointment. He said, you know, those guys couldn't have give any more than they gave out there on the football field. And, you know, we saw that, like we said, we saw that in a number of the semi-final games this year. It was just, it was amazing. And you're right, it was it was great rugby league. It was, it was great to watch. Yeah, we'll play some uh, Wayne Bennett audio a little later in the show because he spoke at the uh, South Sydney presentation. Now, this is the Wayne Bennett that you don't see fronting the media. He spoke for about nine and a half minutes and he spoke eloquently about his rugby league team and some of the leaders within that team. So we'll roll that in a little bit later on. I, I guess, Daisy, for myself, the only thing missing, and as great as it was to see the grand final played at Suncorp Stadium in Queensland, could you imagine 80,000 fans, mm. probably 70,000 Rabbitohs fans and 20,000 Panthers fans at ANZ Stadium in Sydney? It was... That was probably the only thing I felt was missing, that we didn't have a, a packed house in Sydney. Yeah, I mean, ultimately it was yeah, disappointing. you got two Sydney teams playing in in, um, in Brisbane in the grand final. But you know what, Steve, I, I watched it, and I not, but not at any stage or once during the, during the game was I thinking about, oh, this is in Brisbane, you know, there's only 35,000 here. It was just... Yeah, typical of the players, you know, right you know, when it, last year when the pandemic broke and the players, you know, they were, uh, like, for example, State of Origin won last year, which was just an epic game in Adelaide. Now, those guys, they they flew to, from Sydney to Adelaide, played the Origin, got on a plane, come home, all in the one day. And this, this was going on behind the scenes yep. um, all year. So... Um, the players, yeah, they were all in Brisbane in a hub this year, which made it slightly easier in, in relation to travel. But, yeah, what they've been through and to deliver the quality of football um, consistently that they've done is a real credit to the to the individuals and the clubs because, this, you know, there's so many things going to, you know, playing well and, and performing consistently. And it's, it's not just about, you know, your skills and physicality and fitness and all that. It's, a lot of it is, um, you know, your mental health and um, well-being because... There's such an important factors these days into into playing well, and you know, this, to, for the NRL to allow and support families and, and relations and partners up there in the hub with the team, uh, really created uh, an amazing team environment. So, yeah, Penrith, for example, they they just embraced it, and and all of the partners and wives and kids were in the same hotel and the same hub, and they they came together regularly as as a family. So it really, it was just really comfortable for the players and, and, you know, they had that really close support, that network up there with them in the hotel. And you could see how tight, we've seen it all year and last year, how tight they were. But um, you could just see it again during the semi-final series. A lot of people wrote them off after that. Um, you know, they went the hard route and they, they got beat by South and then they had to play Melbourne. Um, yeah, we talk about that game, Melbourne, Melbourne Penrith. Like, Melbourne had the worst game they've had all year. Now, mm-hmm. is that because they had the week off and then they rested people the week before that? And, you know, so they, they're they a great side, but they didn't have the battle-hardened mentality. And you could just see that in that game. 
Penrith did, and their line speed, Penrith's line speed throughout the finals campaign was amazing. But that game in particular yeah. in their grand final, Penrith were just tearing off the line. And it's not often that you see Melbourne don't have the answers to things, but they just couldn't they couldn't play themselves out of the way that Penrith's line speed was just consistently just getting in their faces. So um, again, it was a defensive um, it was defensive display that was just you know high standard. Hey, Dave, uh, we're off to the news. Can you stay, stay with us for one more break? We want to talk about St. Helens versus Catalans and two Central Coast boys playing half and 5-8, James Maloney in his final game of rugby league and also Josh Drinkwater, who played with Terrigal and uh, has played over 100 games in the UK Super League. Can you stay with us, Dave, for one more break? Sure, mate. Uh, the great Dave Fairley joining us. We're off to the news. It's Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. BJ Howes Meadowland, the Coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. What a gorgeous day on the New South Wales Central Coast. Not a cloud in sight. We're overlooking the 18th and to our right, uh, the ocean just looks glorious. What, around about two foot, Jess Grimwood, this morning? Ooh, almost two foot. I think it's a real cross swell this morning, and you can see there's not a breath of wind. It's beautiful. Maybe if you've got the foamies or the kids today, it's, yeah. Oh. It's a nice little uh, family day, I think. Beginners. Yeah, I think. One well, for be- the beginners. Beginners or if you're just cruising. Yeah, yeah, just before we go back live today, Fairly, uh, just give us a snapshot of the AIS course that you're doing with some of the some of the finest female athletes in the country. Oh, that, that course has been mind-blowing for, for someone. I mean, with surfing, you don't really um, come up through the AIS pathways. We've just kind of found the AIS with the Olympic stuff now. So to be catapulted into that group with these women that have grown up. I mean, a lot of them moved to the AIS when they were like 13, 14, 15 and hearing their stories and um, just experiencing the AIS's like holistic approach to the coaching. So it's like a leadership development camp where we're learning to be better leaders, whether or not you're going on to be a coach or a commentator or high performance um, manager. You're just learning this stuff, but obviously they started the program from the start at your own personal growth, and then we couple it all together as we move through the program in the year. So, to hear the ladies' stories, like they're all they're all um, medalists from Tokyo, and they're people that I've looked up to my whole life. It's been really, really moving. Yeah, and uh, you work as teams at times, and uh, it, what, it goes for a full year. Yeah, yeah. So it, I think it was initially maybe a six-month thing, but because of the COVID thing, it's kind of been a positive um, blowout for the course because we've been able to span it all the way and eventually we'll get to all go to the AIS together. But, yeah, we get split up into different teams and we've got these different support networks within the team and there's there's about 20 of us and everyone does a different sport pretty much and it's so interesting and- to, to, to hear how similar everyone's journeys were but also how different the sports have, have made it for them. Are you the only person from surfing? Oh, yeah. I'm like the Stephen Bradbury in that group. <laughs> <laughs> I have just coasted in because it's the first year for surfing um, with that validation with the Olympics. And um, to my benefit, uh, you know, Sally and a lot of those other women that are still competing that are in my generation are, are locked down to competition. So I've I've kind of coasted in on the, you know, back foot going, oh, well, I'm already working in the industry. I'm looking at that development. And, yeah, it was just like, it's just such a little bonus. Yeah, congratulations yeah. again. Mm. Um, let's go back live to Dave Fairley. Uh, Dave, early in the show we had Grant Drinkwater join us. His son, Josh, 
playing halfback. In fact, he was man of the match last week against Hull Kingston Rovers in the semi-final. And now Catalans, maybe they could win their first ever Super League Grand Final against your old team, St. Helens, tomorrow morning. Can you give us a snapshot of what that's going to be like? Uh, packed house at Old Trafford in Manchester. Yeah, there's a couple of things there, Steve. I mean, it's fantastic for French Rugby League. Um, the, the, the success of Catalans has been an enormous benefit to their second-tier competition over there, which is just starting to flourish. So um, credit to Steve McNamara, the coach. Um, he, he was a guy that I played against over there. He played for Huddersfield then. He came out here and he was doing some coaching at the Roosters, spent a bit of time with Trent Robinson, then mm. went back over to England. So he's doing a really good job. Um, it's great to see a couple of Central Coast guys in there. As you mentioned, um, Jimmy Maloney, um, he, he's just had a tr tremendous career. I've luck luckily, I've had a fair bit to do with Jim um, at, at Parramatta and again at the Warriors. Um, so really good to hear that he's in a good headspace and that he's he's ready for retirement. But it's also, you know, he's still competing and playing well. So, you know, luckily, well, he, he might get the fairy tale um, to go out on a grand final win. Um, St. Helens, you know, they're my club. Um, the thing about St Helens is they're, they're the Melbourne Storm of the English of the, of the Super League. Um, you know, I, I felt it when I was there. There was definitely um, a level of expectation um, from you as an individual, and you, you quickly find out what that is. Um, you you'd very quickly need to adapt and fit into the way that St Helens do things, um, which is different to a lot of other clubs and their work ethic and, and their, their mentality on how they compete and never give up. And um, you know, I experienced that a number of times um, throughout the season that I had there in close games. They're just never beaten and they've got a reputation for that. You know, they're, they're always there in the big games and... Um, yeah, you, know, you can call it what it, you know, culture or, or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, you know, they're they're always you know, a sign of really strong organisations. Is when um, you go in there and you can just feel that there's a level of expectation and accountability um, that you're held to account. Um, and it, it, look, it's it's a great thing. It's a good feeling because um, it's not every club you go to has that, and it takes a lot of time to get to things like mm. that. And yeah, you know, I'm sure you go down to Melbourne, that you don't see, you know big signs and placards and words all around the dressing room about their culture. It's, it's not even not even spoken about. It's just there. And that's the same with St Helens. It's just there. And, and you know it's there. And um, you, you've got to adapt and fit into it. So it's no surprise that you know, St Helens have been you know, the most dominant team in the Super League era since 1996. Um, you know, they've won more titles and, and Challenge Cups than anyone. So, yeah, they're there again. Days, you had uh, time over there. Um, just talk us through some of the, the success you had over there, mate, because you actually, you obviously had a massive impact on the club because were well, you selected in the team of the century or something along those lines? Which, you know, for a yeah, guy that's played 27 games, is just yeah. phenomenal. So the impact you had over there must have been massive. Yeah, look, um, yeah, look, fortunate enough, it started off well. It's with, you know, we beat Brisbane in a World Club Challenge. We won a Challenge Cup final, which was a centenary of the Challenge Cup. And then um, about three weeks out from the finals, um, we lost our halfback, Sean Long, to an ACL. So it was really devastating for us because, you know, I think we, we definitely would have won the competition or got, given it a good shake. But to lose, you know, one of the most dominant players in the competition mm. a few weeks before the semi is just cruelest. But, look, I, I went there... Um, and again, it was this culture thing. Um, so I, I went there and I, I remember um, 
and I didn't have any sort of idea of the, the rivalry between Wigan and St Helens. I, I heard about it, but I didn't really understand it. And um, we drew St, we drew Wigan um, in round one of the of the uh, Challenge Cup draw, which is like the FA Cup in in the in the football. Yep. So. We played um, Wigan at Knowlesley Road, and I, you know, they said it's a rivalry. And I remember playing in that game, um, and about 20 minutes into the game, I just had to stop and check myself and thought, well, I'm in a game here. I was getting absolutely belted. You know, I was split. I was getting belted, and I thought, right, I've, got to, I've got to aim up here. Um, and that, that was a real um, awakening for me in terms of um, the intensity of the Super League. So, look, I... I knew deep down that was probably going to be my last season, so I wanted to mm-hmm. go out and just leave nothing, leave everything out on the field. You know, I wanted to finish off playing my absolute best football um, that I could, and you know, very quickly, um, you know, I started playing well, and then you know, you get the support of the fans, and, and you know, then you couple that with the expectations and the culture that St Helens have, um, and yeah, you know, I was fortunate, or not fortunate, because I, I worked bloody hard to do it but I just come off the back of a really good season in Newcastle and I, I just wanted to make the most of what I had the time I had in St Helens so um, yeah you know very honoured named team of the century uh, an immortal and you know there's, they built a stadium and you know there's a mural of myself next to Mal Meninga at the stadium and so the fact that I could achieve all of that in one year uh, and the last year that I played football is something that I'm really proud of um, to finish finish playing your best footy uh, 31 yeah I was re- really happy with that yeah, Dave, uh, I'd like to hear more about who else is in that team alongside you at St Helens, but I just want to pick up on one thing. Did you say it's the most you've ever been physically challenged in your career in that game against Wigan? Oh, absolutely, Steve. Um, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, Wigan Wigan had a team full of superstars, uh, and so did we. Um, and Wigan had... They had a few imports. So they had Steve Renouf, Dave Ferner, Matt Johns. They were Adrian Lamb. They were they were already in the Wigan team, um, but they had other players like um, uh, Andy Farrell um, and Brian O'Connor, Bar- Terry O'Connor, the front rower. He was mm. English prop. So yeah, I was like, and I was sort of St Helens's main main signing, their big signing. So they they were going to let me know that they were out there. And yeah, it was it was it was, it was not only physical. But there was some, you know, what's, what's the old bit of niggle going on as well. And I was copping it, you know. I was really copping it. And, I was, you know, they were ganging up on me. And, um, yeah, I just had to fight back. You just had to give it. And, and, you know, I know Wigan were winning with about six minutes to go. And we actually got the football scored in the corner with about three, three or two minutes left on the clock and won the game. So we progressed through to the Challenge Cup and mm. end up winning the whole thing. But, yeah, that, that game, yeah, it just sticks out. It just sticks out for me. And I've got a photograph of that game. Um, I had the full-time siren. And it looked like I've been, yeah, it looks like I've been through bloody 15 rounds in the ring. Yeah, and Dave, uh, 25 words or less. Have you got thoughts on tomorrow's grand final between Catalans and St Helens? Who gets the job done? Is history created for the French team from Perpignan or does St Helens win three in a row? Oh, it's a hard one, Steve. Look, I'd like to see St Helens win only because, you know, I know a lot of people involved with the club and some players that are there and so I've got an attachment to the club. Um, I'd like to see them win. But in saying that, I think, I think Catalans... Winning the Super League is um, a tremendous boost for just not only rugby league in Europe, but 
rugby league in France, where once rugby league was the powerhouse game and, and, and rugby union was second to it. So, look, either way, I'm happy with whoever gets the result. Yeah, thanks for your time, mate. Well uh, done, all, all the best to you and the family, and we'll talk soon. Cheers, Mick. The great Dave Fairley joining us, your uh, former teammate. Ah, you know what? Nice little walk down memory lane for him as well. I know to talk about those times at St. Helens because, you know, he had a massive career here, Rothman's medalist, um, outstanding player. And, you know what, it's nice to look back on those things fondly and go, you know what, he made a massive contribution there. And obviously it was significant enough to be named in the team of the century. I think if you check the records too, uh, when he said he had a good year at Newcastle, he's being pretty humble. I'm, mm. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he won Player of the Year in Newcastle yeah. in, in his final year in the NRL. And then, like I said, we probably don't get enough coverage of what's happening in the UK Super League because he absolutely smashed it over there. The only thing I'd be concerned about is how big that statue is. <laughs> <laughs> the, the mural. <laughs> yeah, the mural. Wow, it would be pretty damn big. It's all big. head. <laughs> uh, we're off to a break here. We do it all thanks to uh, Robson Civil Projects and BJ Howe's Meadowland at Lizero. In fact, we're there live next week. An outside broadcast cannot wait. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Shelley Beach Golf Course and you can text us this morning on 0477 736 736. What are your thoughts about Penrith and damage to the legendary NRL trophy? The Proven Summons Trophy, the famous photo from 1963 yeah. at the SCG. Not good. What nah. are your thoughts about that? 0477 736 736. In this break uh, leading up to the news, we want to talk about the surfing mm. in Portugal. Mm. Macy Callahan made it to the round of 16, taken down by a 15-year-old Hawaiian who scored three nines. She, this young lady had the, the heat of a life. Yes, yeah, I mean, Macy's done really well. That's a keeper for her in the Challenger Series. They've only got two more events after this, one in France and one in Hawaii. So to have a round of 16 finish for Mace, that's pretty good for her. I think that's going to go in the back pocket and she'll need two really strong ones, so round of 16 or better, to be in the conversation for qualification next season. But, yeah, the Hawaiians and the women's, they've just been dominating. I mean, three out of the remaining eight for the quarterfinals are Hawaiian, and they're, like, all under 20. Yeah, the young lady that beat uh, Macy, Betty Lou Sakura Johnson, mm. and it was unbelievable. We covered this for NBN TV last night. Her total heat score... 18.66, so it took the best score of the entire round to knock Macy out. Macy surfed well, 14.83, but yeah. Betty Lou, her top score, a 9.43, so we're almost talking perfection. Yeah, and when you look at the conditions, it's not really that surprising for the Hawaiians because the surf was really big, it's really powerful at that spot in Portugal, and... Uh, they just love Betty's surfing. She's been earmarked for years, you know, since she was 11 or 12, coming out of Hawaii. She's been that. There's this whole group of them that you can see left over in the rounds already, like Gabriella Bryan, Betty Lou, um, Luana. Like, they've just been tagged already. I find it interesting, you know, the age of these young girls mm. and how they're performing. And, you know, we saw it in, at the Olympics with the skateboarders uh, and how... Just these young girls. There's no fear. They mm. just get out there and do their stuff. And I guess they've been doing it 
that's from such a young age. Like they've been out surfing from three or four years of age and have just built up and, and well, at that time. Yeah, and, and they come from Hawaii. So Carissa is their kind of role model going mm. into it. And they, you know, Carissa is the best of the best, gold medalist and world title. And We're mm. talking to Jess Grimwood, our, our third wheel. In fact, uh, <laughs> she's, she's rapidly... She's over. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what about uh, another Central Coast girl, Molly Picklam? Oh. Uh, now, you think that there's some subterfuge. Yes, I think... I have no idea how she was beaten. Um, the veteran, Silvana Lima, she's still in the competition. She's a Brazilian. She's 35 or 36. And she's an incredible surfer. But in that heat against Molly, Molly was leading and um, Silvana picked up the wave with priority. And honestly, when I, when I likened it to the other waves, I thought, oh, it's probably going to fall around five or six. And you could see it in her body language too. When they called out the 8.5 or 8 for the score, she was just looking at the heavens going, how did I get this? And we were at home just screaming at the, at the TV going, I, ha I don't know what they saw. And I think it's hard sometimes yeah. with surfing. It looks a little different on the webcast. Yeah. It, yeah mm. But they must have seen something. Silvana's up against Paulina Doe mm. in the uh, quarterfinal, heat one of the quarterfinals. We're off to the news. Uh, thanks again to Robson Civil Projects and BJ House, Tool Steel Gas. Building on the coast for 40 years, bjhouse.com.au will be live from there next week. Coming up after the news, Nick Montgomery, Mariners head coach. BJ House Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course overlooking the 18th green. And uh, thanks again to BJ Howes. I drove past there yesterday, Mutes, mm. and looked like it was pumping on a Friday morning. Well, I can't wait the next week. Next Saturday we return. <laughs> yes. That's almost our second home, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to it. Live outside broadcast. Steve Dawson, by the way, the main man, he's doing a um, fundraiser. So mm. we'll tell you more about that through this second hour. If you missed the first hour, don't forget there's the catch-up podcast. Simply download the SEN app. Our first guest of the morning was Grant Drinkwater, his son Josh. What a great story this is, Buttes. Playing in the English Super League Grand Final for mm. Catalans and trying to win their first ever grand final against the might of St. Helens. Uh, speaking of St. Helens, Big Dave Fairley, who's part of their team of the century, uh, he joined us. So you can catch those on the SEN Catch-Up podcast. Simply download uh, the SEN app and click on Saturdays on the Coast. Well, right now, let's rise as one. A man who's a legend at uh, Sheffield United, played uh, over 300 games there and also played over 100 games for our beloved Central Coast Mariners, he's now the gaffer, the uh, head coach, Nick Montgomery. Welcome, mate. Great to have you on board. Steve, Michael, how are you? Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, we're well. And uh, look, the A-League draw is out now. And Jess Grimwood alongside us as well, surfing commentator. And Jess, um, uh, just lay it out for us, the opening round of the A-League for the Central Coast Mariners. Yeah, good morning. And, I mean, you're looking to kick off the first game. How are you feeling coming to the very first match of the season? No, I don't think there can be a better game. Local derby against the Newcastle Jets. Uh, fantastic, really. Really looking forward to that. But before that, we've got an FFA Cup game probably on the 13th, 14th of November. So, yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a long pre-season, challenging with the lockdowns, but just really looking forward to, to, to getting some competitive games leading into the start of the season. Monty, I know you've got training this morning, so we're mindful of time here. But in the last week, you've uh, re-signed for the second time at the club uh, a player we all love, Storm Roo. 
Yeah, look, Stormy's a, a great lad. Uh, you know, he, he obviously did well here. When he was here, moved on to a big club in Melbourne. Victory had a little bit of an indifferent time there, but look, he comes back with uh, you know adding experience to the squad. He's got a, he's got a son that's born and, and and brought up on the central coast as well in Terrigal. So for him to come back was was a, a massive opportunity, and you know he comes back in and, and gives us a bit more experience and competition for places. So I'm really really pleased with the signing. Yeah. Monty, some really positive signs last season. Uh, the boys making the finals, obviously, uh, from where they were uh, two years ago. Um, what has been, I guess, your uh, main focus uh, in this off-season as we lead into season 2022-23 uh, for the team? And um, are there going to be dramatic changes in their style or um, is that something that you're going to keep under wraps until we see the boys run out for that first game? Yeah, look, Michael, I think, you know, last season, the boys did really well. So, you know, building on last season, thought defensively we were very good. Uh, we were resolute. But, look, I think what we did lack is creating chances and scoring goals. So that's one thing that I've really focused on in pre-season. And, you know, it's possibly the hardest thing to do is put the ball in the, in the back of the opposition's net. But I think in recruitment, bringing the likes of Nikolai Muller in, um, you know, fantastic attacking player. We've probably got one more attacking player to come as well. And, and Cy Goddard, Benny, the two visa players, you know, both attacking players as well. So, you know, what I did do is try and, you know, really look at bringing in players that, that can not only create but can score goals. And you know, I think if we can defend like we did last year and we can create more chances and score more goals, then that, mm. that's, that's, that's been the main focus, yeah. I tell you, they're both great signings. Uh, Muller, yeah. Muller's played in the Bundesliga and also was at uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. Goddard can turn players inside out. <laughs> Monty, in, in the last couple of days, have we signed another goalkeeper as well? Can you elaborate on that for us? Yes, look, the, the, the search for a second goalkeeper has been uh, quite extensive. Um, you know, it has been very difficult to bring in MPL goalkeepers from in and around the country. But look, Yaron Sosa, he spent time with Jess Van Stratton at Melbourne City. He's been in and around some A-League clubs as a youngster. He's also been over to Turkey and, and you know, going to a foreign country like Turkey and playing professional football. You know, he's not easy, but look, he comes with that experience. And I think he really suits, you know, he suits us as a squad. He's a good character. And, you know, ideally I want him to put pressure on Mark Birigetti. So one thing I've tried to do is bring in players around the squad to create competition for places because I think that's a healthy thing to do. And not only in training, when it comes to games, and you do have to anticipate throughout the season, you know, maybe some injuries and suspensions. And when that happens, you need to make sure that you're not weakened significantly. And that's, that, that's you know, that's the main focus of recruitment. Yeah. Monty, I do want to ask you, there are going to be challenges this year, obviously, as we come out of COVID uh, and in terms of the borders being open and closed and what have you. I believe that the first six to eight rounds are going to be Sydney-based opposition. Yeah, so I think they're, they're going to try and uh, sort of structure the competition like that to avoid travel probably up until the new year. And hopefully by then things have eased a little bit more and it comes a lot easier. But obviously there's, you know, there's a lot of talk about unvaccinated players and staff not being able to enter stadiums. And, and look, it's, it's obviously a global topic and, and, and one that's been talked about a lot in Australia at the minute. So look, you know, we, we, we're, we're going to be prepared. Um, for these first six games, and then yeah, we'll wait until wait until the six games is up and, and see where we're at in terms of you know the travel and and, and playing uh, the teams that are not within New South Wales. Hey Monty, have you been watching the series Ted Lasso? 
Oh, Ted Lasso, what a program. Fantastic, yeah. Watch it. Yeah, yeah. That's where he gets his game plan. Yeah, is it? well, uh, I've got to say, uh, just a moment ago, I thought you sounded like Jamie Tart. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's from Manchester, so it's a little bit of a different accent. But, look, I think whoever's done that program, it's genius. I've been fortunate to spend time top level in, in, in Europe in the Premier League. And, and you know, it's obviously... It's obviously an exaggerated version of it, but I think whoever's uh, whoever's made the programme's definitely got an insight into the the, the the top level, the glitch and glamour, and yeah, it's just classic comedy, fantastic. Yeah, we we can't say too much about last night because Jess, you're I'm, you're I'm last not up to date. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, last night was the uh, finale. Me neither, and, yeah. well, no spoilers. Let me say, social media last night went into meltdown over the uh, season finale. Hey, uh, Monty, speaking of the Premier League. Uh, I'm on the bandwagon with Brentford, who are back in after, you know, I think something like seven decades. Uh, they've been sensational. And I guess next round is their moment of truth, with, which is not this weekend, but the weekend after. They'll face Chelsea, top of the table side. Look, I think if you look on the history of the Premier League, the teams that get promoted, you know, a lot of them have a really good start the first season. And Brentford, you know, Brentford have took it like a breath of fresh air. They've got some good players. Their recruitment's a little bit out there. It's a little bit of a money ball a situation with the owner. Who, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, he's been doing that for the last couple of years. So look, you know, they're playing with a, with a, you know, with a freedom and, and and no no pressure on them, and that's dangerous when you're going against anybody. And, and I think we've seen that. You know, they've not, they've not changed the style of football, uh, but we've also seen the Premier League's brutal, brutal league. And if it catches up with you and and, and you start you start you know not getting the results, it's uh, it can be a quick turnaround. But no, it's great to see. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier in the show too that Liverpool versus Manchester City is easily one of the best games I've ever seen. It finished two all. Did you catch any of the highlights of that that game last weekend? Yeah, I watched the full game. I tried to watch, you know, at least one of the, the top Premier League games live, and then look at the highlights. And to be honest, you know, it's something that I, I show a lot of the clips to the boys here. You know, this is top level. You know, it's a lot of the basics are done, but you talk about athletes. We're talking about some of the best, best athletes in the world playing in the Premier League and the speed that the game's played at and it's talking about the Liverpool-Man City game, the, the quality of that game was just out of this world. So, look, it's, it's great to watch and, you know, I think a lot of young players nowadays, they don't watch top level, they don't watch football as much as, as, as we used to as a youngster and there's so much you can learn from watching the likes of Mo Salah and, you know, some of the top it, players in the world. It's just, yeah, it, it's fantastic. You know what, Monty, it's a, it's a great point you make. Uh, it's amazing to think that we have got so much at our disposal in terms of access to, to these games, but they're, they're not watching anywhere near as much. They're looking on Instagram and TikTok and all these other things that, whatever it may be, who, who cares and who knows, right? But ultimately, how effective is that as a tool for you as a coach to give to your players and to show your players, you know, what ultimately you would like for them to be able to achieve? Look, I think there's moments in the game and, and look, I'm a real believer, you know, facts are facts and when you look at Percentages of where goals are scored at and, and and how goals are scored. You know, there's a clear there's a clear uh, picture. You know, in and around the top leagues of the world. So that's something mm. I try and educate the boys on. Um, and and I think you know they're, they're taking it on board. And, and look, you know, Michael, yourself, the, the amount of goals that we scored in the MPL in the last couple of years. Um, you know, with young players mostly from the Central Coast as well. Look, if they buy into it and they believe it. But look, when it's not just me saying it when you actually show them footage of it and, and show them their moments of the game where you know the difference between the, the top level and lower levels down is executing in them key moments and you know mm. how often do you execute in them key moments so 
think that's really, uh, you know, it's really good to be able to show the young players that. And look, I love the attitude of the young players at this club. They're all willing to soak up information. They want information. And I think there's no more powerful than, than, than visually looking at the footage and, and them seeing top players around the world do it. So, yeah, I'm really big on that. <laughs> Yeah, hey, hey, if it's good enough for Salah, it's yeah. good enough for our Mariners boys. That's well, all I'm saying. Well, like you exactly. said, Butes, he, he, he kind of beat five players, some of the best defenders oh. in the world, just turned them inside out. Monty, I know you've got training, so let me ask you one more quick question. Still about a month away, or just over a month uh, away from playing Newcastle in the derby in round one on a Sunday afternoon, what do you expect from our northern neighbours? I'm expecting a tough game. Obviously, the coach has, has been quite clear in the media with his intentions this year. You know, we, 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 we know that they're going to be aggressive. We know they're going to play a high-pressing game. And look, you know, that, that's, going to, that's going to suit us. It's, that's what you want in a derby game. I think it's a fantastic game for the, for the fans, for the neutral. And yeah, I just can't wait for it. So we're not expecting anything other than a really, really tough game. But we'll go there You know, with all the intention to go and win the game. And, and that's where I will approach every game this season. Yeah, Monty, uh, well awesome to have you on the show, mate. Standing ovation for a football <laughs> legend. Thank you, mate, and we'll talk soon. Cheers, guys. Have a good weekend. Nick Montgomery joining us, Mariners head coach. And uh, I didn't want to say this on the air to Monty, but, you know, he's our first coach that wore the shirt. Yeah. And, and that is massive. I think it's pretty significant. I think, you know what, I know the job that he has done over the last couple of years, or the last <laughs> few years with the uh, academy kids. Uh, and the development they've, and the success they've had, probably more importantly. And, uh, you know, if they can uh, have, replicate that type of success uh, of the academy kids uh, at that um, A-League level, then we are in for a mighty season. Uh, and Mariners supporters will be coming out in their numbers, Steve. Do you know what I've noticed? Speaking of Mariners supporters, I have noticed so much new merch marching around mm. at the moment for the Mariners. Every time you go do the surf check, I see a new group of people with Mariners caps or Mariners shirts. I feel like that support's going to be massive. This, yeah, well, we've year. had some great coaches, but uh, Monty, as someone that played over 100 games for the clubs, he, he was an A-League All-Star. Yep. Uh, he was part of the Premiership squad, he actually missed the grand final because of suspension, unfortunately. But, uh, wow, what a player. He's one of my all-time favourites. We're off to a break. We're going to talk some motorsport with Lightning oh, Luke King. Yes. Turkish Grand Prix is coming up this weekend. And we do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also BJ Howes Meadowland, the Coast Tradies' Choice, Steel Gas, you name it, they'll take care of you. We'll also tell you about Steve Dawson's big fundraiser that mm. he's got happening at the moment. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the Coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, we're live from Shelley Beach Golf Course overlooking the beautiful 18th. Hey, uh, you know, uh, probably about three or four weeks ago, we played a song for Jess Grimwood. Now, I think since she's joined our team, mm. she's added, or well, she's been a real breath of fresh air. Would you agree, Butte? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, I, found, well, I forgot the song. What was it? Well, I found a new one. Oh, you found a new one. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we may just roll that in right now. No, I wish that... Yeah, what do you think, Butes? Oh, I feel like whacking on my flares and my whatever else they whack on. The big puffy shirt with yeah. it open, a bit of bling around the 
Bit of chest here popping out as well. Saturday Night Fever, oh. John Travolta. How good. Circa 1977. How good were the Bee Gees? Yeah. Oh. Wow, so many world number ones. Hey, let's fade that out. We've got uh, Lightning Luke King coming up soon. Turkish Grand Prix is coming up soon. And we'll talk about, wow, you know, a couple of the near misses for McLaren in the last Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. I know you absolutely love it. Ricardo ended up finishing fourth in the last Grand Prix. And he's looking to better a tenth in Turkey last time. And that was a rain-affected race. So Lightning Luke King coming up. But you want to do your top five from the National Rugby League season. Uh, earlier this week in the Daily Telegraph, they had the top 50 moments. Mm. Uh, not in any particular order. Right. But, but you've got a top five. I do, I do. And I'm going to start with number five <laughs> and work my way down. Number five being the Tom Trebojevic try against the Cowboys. Yeah. What was it, round 25, round 26, something along those lines? Ended up being try of the year. Uh, It was outstanding. And for those that didn't see it, Ruben Garrett gets the ball. On the dead ball line. On the dead ball line. Skirts along the dead ball line. Picks up uh, Cherry Evans some 50 metres down the field, who then runs down the field. Little kick inside. Tommy Turbo is there. Yeah. And this was at the end of the game. The only thing that would have topped it off is if that was to win the game. That would have been amazing. It was one of the greatest tries oh, I've ever seen. It's Good. up there with the Steve Gearan try in the 1980 Grand Final. For, for Greg, Greg Brentnell. Yes. Kick over the top. You nine, bet. 1980 against Easts. You bet. So that is number five. That's number in, five. In Butte's top five. Yep. Number four, the Blues winning origin. <laughs> Three games the Queenslanders had up in Queensland, and they still couldn't beat us. Steve, any comments? <laughs> <laughs> Queensland won game three. Yeah. yeah. In oh. superb style. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's hey, okay. Was that Adam back yeah, at HQ? Mm-hmm. Only by two points, I think he said. Yeah. Only by two points. But that was my number four for me. The Blues winning the series again. Well done to Freddie Fiddler and his boys in blue. Number three, the Panthers' performance throughout the last three games they played in the final series. I thought it was just, and, you know, David Fairley touched on it earlier on, just phenomenal. Their resilience, their intensity, their ferocity, their speed of line, their line speed was unbelievable. I haven't seen anything like it. Their fitness levels would have been through the roof, and they also got trained to the stars, Hayden Knowles. Yeah, I'd say their line speed was reminiscent of the great Roosters teams four or five years ago. You know what? I've got to say, if I was the Rabbitohs on the, you know, in the grand final, I would have been blowing up, putting my hands in the air, just at the referee non-stop, saying they're leaving early, they're leaving early, sir, come on. Yeah. Like, just non-stop yeah. so that they could have slowed down or it, been conscious about what they were doing. You had a great observation, too, about the back three. They just got hammered in the grand final. And, you know, at, at times I'm thinking we need Burgess running off the back fence. Yep. They needed some, some big bodies colliding with the Penrith Panthers. And, and that was the problem. And, and that's where they really missed Latrell that big body who could make that impact and, and, you know, bend that line back. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, Tom Trebojevic, Dally M winner for, ninth, uh, for 2021. A phenomenal season. He played 15 games this year, right? So his maximum amount of points that he could earn was 45 points. He got 35. So in 12 of those games, he scored points which is a phenomenal record. The only thing I hope for Tommy Trebojevic in season 2022, he decided to get off the drink in 2021. He has found the formula, 
All right. What's his name? Todd Carney did it back in 2016 or whatever, or 20, whenever I was 14. Got off the drink, won the Dalian. Next year they get back on it. What happens? Found a different formula. Yeah, uh, another player too, Ben Barber. Curry, Ben Barber, there you go. And I just go, he has found the formula. I just hope that he does the same thing next year. I'm not here oh. to suggest that he's going to get the same result. <laughs> But you found a formula that works. His performance this year was unbelievable. I, I got a feeling he can get even better. And let's not forget, too, you played with a player similar in Jared Hayne that set the world on fire. 100%. But just look at his performance. He had 15 games, 25 tries, 27 try assists, and his win rate, success rate, was just phenomenal. Well, they were out the back door. Didn't they lose their first the four? first four games, they were gone. Yeah. So what is number one, Michael Buehner? Number one is... I'm going to give a big shout-out to the NRL and to the Queensland Government for just <laughs> giving us the opportunity to experience season 2021. Because without them, the comp would have happened. The players, I think they all deserve the accolades because, you know, players, families, the NRL, Queensland Government, for what they've managed to do to get this competition to run. The, the miles that these people have travelled, the staff behind the scenes, all those things, absolutely phenomenal uh, that we were able to see the competition play out. And it was a great end to the season in terms of the final season. Yeah, great stuff, Buttes. Uh, on our way, yes. Oh, hold on. Just bear with me. I know. Special mention. A special mention goes to our retirees, the class of 21. My goodness. It is, without doubt, the best group of guys I've ever seen in my life or players that have left. And, you know, Benji Marshall being probably up the top of that list or there or thereabouts. You've got Cameron Smith, Michael Morgan, the Morris Twins, Jake Friend, uh, Boyd Cordner, Alex Glenn. That's just to name a few. There are some big names there. Yeah, when uh, Cameron Smith stepped on stage, uh, I think that's when my son Corey said, Dad, this is the best retiring class we've ever seen. Hey, on our way toward the news, let's roll in some audio from Wayne Bennett this mm. week. Now, this has had tens of thousands of views. This is the Wayne Bennett that you don't see in the press conference. This is Wayne Bennett at the South's presentation night. He's talking about some of the leaders within their footy club. Wayne Bennett from this week. Um, no one looked over their shoulder. Uh, we got grabbed young Taff Blake and we just put him in the team and said, mate, you can do this job. He played one full game, I think, of NRL and he was outstanding for us for the next five or six weeks. But he was only outstanding because of the men around him. Because in that group of men, there's some really special people and they make you feel so important. They make you feel part of that joint and part of the club, part of the team. And, that's led by the captain, who I think you know is a magnificent player, and I, I think he probably had one of his best seasons ever this year for us. Um, <laughs> Damien's there as well, uh, who's a real um, stabling influence on everybody. What a calmness about him, uh, Cody, who's um, you know is, cares as much as anybody I've ever coached, and. and is um, just great around the playing group. Uh, we brought Cam into the group this year as well because we could see his development and uh, to go forward. And then uh, Latrell was there in that group. And then Benji came in as well. And Benji just added a little bit more to all the things that we had there because he's um, great with his own leadership within the group. And that was the thing that was the core for us this season, that group of men that held everybody together. Uh, Cody hardly missed a game if he missed any at all. Um, um, Adam only missed one, and so we were pretty lucky with those type of players. So, 
And I've got to say, you know, Taft played like he did in, in that playoff series because of the, because of their leadership around him, because of the because of the confidence that they give him and the belief they had in him. So, pretty special year, and um, we did fail at the last hurdle. But I, I again, you know, from the time I was a young coach to today, I, I've always wanted. There's two things I've always wanted. I've always wanted my teams to play within the spirit of the game because I, I love the game, and uh, there is a spirit about our game, and you've got to understand that spirit. And, and there's a price you've got to pay for that. And the second thing that I love about the teams that I coach, they just won't give up. It's not in our DNA. And that grand final epitomised us. It epitomised what South Sydney was about, what my coaching's been about. Uh, we were beaten time and time again in that game, but we just refused to be beaten. And, and we fought back and we came back into the game and to be beaten by two points at the end, I can handle that. Um, but more importantly, it was just the manner in which we, which we handle ourselves and makes them a pretty special group of men that I've been really, really proud to be a part of. Yeah, so there we go. Wayne Bennett speaking at the South Sydney Rabbitohs presentation, and that's the Wayne Bennett that you don't see. Butes, you probably would have loved to have been coached by the great man, seven-time premiership winner. Yeah, you know what? It's amazing when you look at, you know, the players and the way they interact with him. Um, it's not about his tactical nous. It's not about um, you know, him trying to develop their game to take it to a new... It's actually him developing them as an individual. And the byproduct of that is their confidence grows. Which means when their confidence grows, their football ability grows. And, and as a stature, as a man, you grow. And suddenly you've got this resilience about you that you know what, you do hang in there in contests and you do, no matter what happens, give yourself the best possible chance to still win the game when you need to. And that's what South Sydney did last Sunday. They were gone. You could tell after 15 minutes, they were physically gone. But because of what Wayne Bennett had instilled in that group and what that group had taken from Wayne Bennett and brought amongst themselves, it just meant that they were able to hang in there and give themselves a chance with three minutes to go and a kick from the sideline to Adam Reynolds. Yeah. Who unfortunately missed. Well, well said, Buttes. Uh, we're off to the news. Uh, back soon with Lightning Luke King to talk about the Turkish Grand Prix this weekend. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, we're back live at Shelley Beach Golf Course overlooking the gorgeous 18th, the party hole. What a stunning day on the New South Wales mm. Central Coast. Hey, uh, by the way, we said that our, our great mate Steve Dawson from BJ Howes Meadowland raising money for the Westpac Rescue Helicopter. So all you have to do is jump on to Steve Dawson uh, for a great cause. I think it's base-to-base -base Westpac Rescue Helicopter. His goal is only to raise $1,000, so every little bit helps. And Apparently, he's got to run 150 kilometres during the month of October. What does that break down to, Buttes? That's five kilometres a day. Well, it's <laughs> just a little bit under, but anyway, yeah. it's okay. Five kilometres a day, it's still a fair effort. And by the way, on the text line, 0477 736 736, a message from the bald badger who oh. says, Buttes has come through. He's delivered financially. Mm, I told you I would. If he... 
I had to get to 200 Ks, and as soon as he did, I will put the money in, and he did that. Well done, the Badger. And I'll do likewise with uh, Stevie Dawson. Once he gets to that 150 mark, I'm onto it. Yeah, fantastic. Let's talk some motorsport now. Uh, Lightning Luke King, the champion race car driver in both the Toyota 86 Series and also the TCR Australia Series, joins us. Uh, Lightning, good morning, mate, and practice two. Practice session number two last night for the Turkish Grand Prix. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Hi, Jeff, Steve, and, uh, and Butte. It was a uh, interesting practice session last night. We're at uh, we're at Turkey, as you said, Steve. Um, it's a it's a track where we had uh, a lot of issues last year. They resurfaced the the track, so um, it threw up quite a few uh, challenges for the teams last year, and it's, it's no different this year. Um, They've gone about seven seconds quicker on lap time Oof. this year, just with the the differences in in how the uh, the asphalt has has changed. So uh, it's going to be quite an interesting weekend. And Luke, I mean Hamilton, from what I can see, he finished the fastest in practice number two. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so he was actually fastest in both practice sessions. Um, our own Danny Ricardo, I think, is probably going to have a bit of a, a struggle this weekend. I'm, I'm a bit concerned about Daniel. I know we had that win in, in Monza, but he's been consistently half a second off Lando, his teammate, this weekend, um, and over a second off Lewis. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that Daniel can pull something out in, uh, in practice three. But, uh, yeah, Lewis is certainly quick this weekend. Luke, can you give me a bit of a breakdown as to how... You know, Daniel Ricciardo wins the Grand Prix two uh, Grand yep. Prix ago. How is yep. he a second behind? What is it? Is it the track? Is it the you know the way the car is set up? What makes such a yeah. big difference from track to track or from event for event? It's a bit of a mixture of utes. Um, Monza is probably one of the outliers on the calendar. It's a uh, it's a track mainly made up of straights and small chicanes. So um, it's I'm not going to say it's easier to get on top of. It's just different for him to try and get on top of the car at that circuit because you're only focusing on some straight line braking and, and you're not trying to carry as much speed through the corners. Mm-hmm. You look at Turkey as, as a circuit... You know, some some of these corners are, have an average speed of over 200 kilometres an hour and they're kind of half off the throttle, half on the brake and there's a little bit of finesse trying to get the car through those types of corners and just maximise the tyre. So I think Lando does a better job of that. He obviously mm-hmm. knows knows the car a lot better than Daniel and I think when you have these sort of circuits pop up on the calendar, you can it, it shows Daniel's weaknesses. So... Uh, Yep. So, yeah, he's obviously on top of the car in certain areas, but he's still got some work to do. Hey, uh, Lightning, gee, I felt for Lando Norris in the last Grand Prix. Uh, when the rain came, mm. I, I think huh. there was only four laps left, and it was whether to come in and change tyres or not, and suddenly it became an ice skating rink. Mate, I almost cried when I when I watched that, because he... <laughs> he he didn't have any other choice, I don't think. And you look at what Hamilton did. He was arguing with his team. He, he didn't actually want to come in. He wanted to make the same call as Lando did. And unfortunately, I mean, I, I've been there in, in wet weather conditions. When when you're there you're and you're leading the race, you're the pioneer. You're the one mm. making all the decisions. And as soon as someone sees you struggling, they do the opposite. And therefore, you're, you're left out on your own. So... 
you know, big call for a 21-year-old to, to make. And, uh, you know, if, if it had worked out, he would have looked like a hero. But uh, it didn't work out for him, and that's just the, the beauty of motorsport. One weekend, the team can be completely on top of the world, and the next weekend, you dropped on your head. Um, Lightning, as a as the lead um, athlete in the team, how many people did he make that call over? I'd be interested to know that. Like, if he's obviously the racing athlete, does he have to yeah, overrule, you know, 15 people to make that call? Oh, it, and and some. You know, the, the race engineer that sits on the wall takes direction from, you know, so like a, a bunch of people at the track, engineers sitting behind the scenes, um, people who are surveying the weather conditions, local crew, and then you've also got simulator crew back at the home base who are who are running a, a race situation at the same time in a in a simulator. So, um, you know, he would have had a lot of people looking at different scenarios for him. But ultimately, you know, he he thought that was the right call from what he was seeing out on track, and so he's decided to to go with that. So someone got um, it wrong. Hey, uh, we're talking to Luke King, champion race car driver. We've just seen the best approach shot on the 18th all day. And I've got to say, I think he actually picked his ball up and gave it like a little kiss. I'm sure I saw him move that ball towards his mouth. Uh, wow, what a great approach well, shot. He's about 150 out, knocks it within five, six foot. Amazing shot. Mm. Then sinks the putt. Easy as you please. Up and down for two. So a bit, Turkish a bit like Rossi when he kisses his bike. Yeah. <laughs> Turkish Grand Prix. I saw Daniel Ricciardo interviewed through the week, Luke, and he believes he can go five seconds faster here around this yep. circuit than what he did 12 months ago. Is that correct? Yeah, so uh, what they've actually done at Turkey, so in 2020 they resurfaced the track about 10 days before the F1 actually got there. And mm. what that does is there's a bunch of oils and everything that come up through the surface when you lay new tarmac down. And it created absolute havoc there in the F1 last year. But the cars had no grip even in the dry. Um, mm. And it, it was a real mixed bag for, for the teams last year. So that's what I was sort of saying at the start. You know, those those guys have gone seven seconds faster this year. You know, I think, I think practice one last year, Lewis was doing a, a one minute 30. This year, he's doing a 1.23. So, yeah, wow. you know, the, the pace has changed. The setup of the car is changing. And um, when you look at the, the practice results, Red Bull are actually struggling a bit here. Um, mm. they're, they're, there's such a tight battle for the championship between Lewis and Max. And I think Mercedes have an obvious advantage this weekend. Um Lewis, Lewis is going to take a, a grid penalty because he's done an engine change um, to try and fix up his reliability for the rest of the year and prepare for, for the next seven races. So um, Lewis is going to have to qualify on pole and then probably start from 10th at best and then come wow. through the field. So it's um, there's, a, there's a lot to watch this weekend and, and plenty going on. So... I think for, for people watching along at, at home, I'd be definitely looking at, at Lewis to see what, what he's going to do in tonight's qualifying. But also the Ferraris this weekend, guys. The the Scarlet cars are, are looking pretty good and uh, and Leclerc was second in practice last night. Hey, uh, can you stay with us, uh, Luke, for one more break? Uh, we've got a thousand more questions, but on the text line 0477-736-736, I've just had a message come through from Hayden Knowles, the infamous trainer with the uh, Penrith Panthers. Yes. He told me he's on a houseboat on the Noosa River with the Penrith Panthers, but has just messaged and asked, 
if he's going to get some airtime. <laughs> so uh, that might have to happen before 11 o'clock this morning. It's uh, Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, our final break of the morning overlooking the 18th green at Shelley Beach. And this time next week, we'll be looking at uh, the awesome BJ House setup. Mm. Uh, our first OB there for a, couple of, for a couple of years. <laughs> Carnival, he's on, is it? Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, let's go back to Lightning Luke King and Hayden Knowles joining us live from a houseboat at Noosa with the Penrith Panthers. Before we wrap up this morning, uh, Jess, you've got the next question for Lightning Luke King. Yeah, Lightning Luke, I mean, we've got a little bit of intel from you as well. So we want to hear, you were saying the Aussies have been dominating and what other motorsports to be looking for. We've got a lot coming up this weekend and, yeah, just love to hear about how the Aussie guys are going in the domination side. Yeah, sure, Jess. So uh, motorsport this weekend, obviously, we've spoken about the F1 in Turkey. Uh, the World Touring Car Championship is on uh, for its sixth round of the Czech Republic. European TCR is in Barcelona as well, and there's a pretty cool story there uh, where the leader of the European TCR series is also racing in the World Championships in two different countries. So we've got a guy who's going to qualify in the Czech Republic and then fly to Barcelona for a race and then back and forth. So that's pretty pretty crazy. Uh, British touring cars are on at Donington Park and NASCAR is on at Charlotte. And then talking about Aussies overseas, obviously we've got Danny Rick in the F1, but Oscar Piastri is our next big star in F2, who's leading F2 at the moment. Um, mm. We've spoken about Jack Doohan before in, in F3. Um, he was second this year in Formula 3. Then when you're looking at sort of domestic championships uh, across the world, we've got a few Aussies in British F3 and F4, which is a stepping stone into F1. So young Christian Mansell, who's only 15, won the British F3 championship um, <laughs> last year uh, and is stepping up this year. We've got young Marcus Flack, who's only 14 years old in British F4. Um, and then across the MotoGP, you've got Miller, Remy Gardner, Joel Kelso, who's in Moto3, um, all race winners, all championship leaders, Will Power in the IndyCar, Molly Taylor over in Extreme E. So, mate, we are dominating on, on the world stage at the moment. And I, I put that list together just to kind of map it out in my head. But with just so many um, guys and girls overseas that are doing well, and it's just awesome to see. And uh, just quickly, Luke, uh, you're going to be back in action in the TCR Australia Series at either Sydney's Eastern Creek, which, uh, you know, you've done so many uh, hot laps there and also you've raced yeah. really well there over the years, but also you could be at Bathurst in December. Yeah, correct, mate. Yeah, so uh, TCR trying to finish off our, our final races this year and merging with supercars, which is a, a massive deal. Um, there are a lot of political things going on behind the scenes where the owners of TCR have pretty much bought out supercars. So there's a lot of exciting things to come there. And we're, we're running second in the championship and we, we've got a chance to, to take out the title this year. We don't know whether Chaz is going to be able to run TCR. He may be just focusing on supercars for that weekend. So, uh, yeah, it could be my opportunity to take out uh, the Aussie title in our first year. And then, yeah. who knows, mate, you might see me in World PCR the next year. 
Yeah, nice, tell you, buddy. That Good would work. be incredible. Uh, great to have you on the show, mate. We'll talk soon. Lightning Luke King, the champion race car driver. Oh, by the way, quickly, can I just say, Luke, if they need someone to drive Chaz's car, just let me know, mate. You've got my number. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the weight difference won't count. <laughs> no, no, I'll be right, mate. I'll lose a few kilos if I have to. Uh, I can't wait to see <laughs> yeah. Luke King do a shoey when he wins the TCR Australia Series. Let's go live to a, a houseboat on Noosa River. Uh, Hayden Knowles, <laughs> the famous trainer, is there. Good morning, mate. And congratulations to yourself and the entire Penrith Panthers organisation. Thanks, mate. It's been a, an amazing moment. And, yeah, I'm, I'm currently sitting on top of a houseboat, but it's not, it's not a week-long party like you think. I'm actually... Uh, with the family and having a bit of quiet time. So we hired a houseboat for a week. The weather's beautiful and lapping it up. My family I hadn't seen for months and I was really lucky they came up the last couple of weeks um, with a second wave of families that were able to come up. So that's Hayden, we've heard, we've heard reports as there's damage to the uh, Telstra Premiership trophy. Can you stop using it as an anchor, please? <laughs> Show some respect. Mate, I, I, read those, I read those stories today. and Oh, yeah. It's unfortunate how it turns as a, a disrespectful thing when the, the funny part was when when the trophy is actually broke, um, the, the respectful thing was a player decided to nurse it like as his baby. He wouldn't let... Um, he wouldn't let it touch the ground. and he was, But it, it, it's turned into as being disrespectful, you know, but... Um, you know, that's the last thing our players would want to do is be disrespectful to that trophy. But yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm glad you said that. And it, it has it has broken before. Laurie Daly dropped it off that's the back right, of yeah. a, a ute accidentally. I, I think Brisbane dropped it. I'd be nursing it like a baby too. It would be, I'd put it in yeah. a pram if, because it'd be... If it's the first baby. time you've won it since it's 2003, <laughs> it's a sacrilege, isn't it? Um, hey, by the way, Hayden, uh, mate, uh, I saw you're in the paper again this week and you said that... South focusing on you being on the field meant that, uh, you know, they'd taken their eye off the ball slightly. Is that how you felt? I did, mate. I, I actually thought it was hilarious that in the biggest week of the year that, that a trainer was actually newsworthy. You know, like, there's bigger stories going on in rugby league than that. And yeah. and I just felt that Wayne Bennett doesn't worry about petty things. Like, I, I have a lot, a lot of respect for Wayne. He's actually a very good friend of mine. And his biggest strength is not worrying about stuff like that. And to see that, I actually thought it was quite funny that someone went to such an effort to almost get the trainer banned from the game. And and I know Wayne would never personally do that to me, you know, to hang me out to dry. I mean, I ended up, I ended up getting sledged by that many fans and that many people. <laughs> <laughs> and deservedly so. Get yeah. off the field, Langer. Yeah, the hey, blue mate, shirt. I, I do want to say, I do want to say, mate, a big congratulations to you and your high-performance team because the way that or the fitness level of that Penner side and their sp- line speed was ridiculous. And for them to do what they did after, you know, two massive games in, in the previous two weeks was enormous. And, mate, that's a credit to you and your team and what they've been able to do. I know there's a lot to it that goes on behind the scenes, mate, but don't underestimate um, the uh, your achievements or what the team has been able to do on the back of... Um, the work that you've done behind the scenes to get these boys at that level. It was just amazing, mate, and you should be extremely, extremely proud of what you've done. No, I really appreciate that, Mick. You know you know what goes on behind the scenes, and uh, so much has to go right till I even get there. And 
we did take a lot of pride in being the fittest team. We we thought our you know our style was we wanted to run teams off the feet a little and never mm. saw some vision of Melbourne Storm players or South Sydney players or like run off their legs a little bit. That's the type of stuff we took pride in. And in saying that, don't you worry, we were out on our legs too. So. Pretty yes. courageous what, how the boys finish. Yeah, amazing stuff. Uh, you know, it's almost surreal that Penrith are the premiers after the road they took through the final series. Hayden, we'll have to take a rain check, mate, but again... Oh, we'll get him next week. Huge congratulations on what you've done and the entire Penrith organisation have done. Thanks to Josh Kind, our technical whiz. Thanks to Adam Staples back at headquarters. Thanks to all of our guests. And don't forget, you can download the SEN app and the catch-up podcast Saturdays on the coast. This time next week, we're live from BJ Howe's Meadowland in Lizaro. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week, Saturdays on the coast.